Let's talk about the recency effect on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and it is my privilege to share my heart with you every week about current events and the things that are happening in this world, but most importantly, that we are kingdom people. And that because we are kingdom people, we influence culture here on this earth. And so if we're concerned about the direction that our culture is heading, sometimes we have to push back and we have to be the ones that stand up for what is right and and be the ambassadors of heaven here on this earth. So that is my heart each and every week. And I'm so grateful that you join me again this week. Uh, to learn about what's called the recency effect. We're actually going to take a little bit of a walk through memory lane uh, in this episode, and I'm looking forward to it. What really triggered this in my mind was that this is uh, just last week was the one-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd. As you are probably aware, uh, this gentleman... Uh, was apprehended by law enforcement, uh, and Derek Chauvin uh, was a police officer on duty, uh, ended up putting uh, his knee on this man's neck and uh, was found, uh, just recently uh, found guilty, and uh, will be paying uh, with uh, time in prison uh, for his actions towards George Floyd. It's a multifaceted problem and certainly triggered a lot of problems, not only in our nation, but very specifically in my backyard here in Minneapolis. And uh, it's been such a a journey uh, of remembrance. And that's what I wanted to talk about. I just did released a podcast called Remember uh, just about a month ago. Uh, and it really the point of that podcast was to talk about uh, the famous quote that um, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And uh, it was uh, famously respoken by Winston Churchill, who said, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And I talked about the fact that we have to understand that history is an extremely important part of our life because of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we learn from those mistakes. And we can't remove history from our curriculum. We can't fail to remember. Um, It's important that we keep those things in our remembrances so that we don't make the same mistakes again. But in this podcast, I really want to talk about our own lives, the events that shape us, the things that we remember about our journey. There have been major things that have happened uh, to humanity, George Floyd being one of them. And my concern is one year later, how long until we forget what his name was? He'll be referred to as that one man who was killed by the police. And we're going to forget his name. And and it happens because we don't always remember when we don't put those important things on the forefront. And I think it's so important to uh, the communities uh, in our 
our um, environment in America, especially the black communities who feel uh, the injustice of these events. It's important that we keep these things fresh and before us because so often what happens is they just simply drift away until another event happens. And then that event drives the story and the narrative. But there are major things that happen. I believe this was one of them because it just brought to the forefront a problem. Now, this was a specific problem, and it would be unwise to make large generalizations on one specific problem. However, it can be a demonstration of a bigger problem, and I believe that it was in this case. But we think about the events of the past, and, and you know, I'm a little bit too young, believe it or not, to remember the assassination of JFK, but those of you who were older than me, um, who are older than me now, <laughs> but remember when it happened, um, remember where you were when JFK was assassinated. Now, why would you possibly remember that? Because it was such an important historical moment that, that even in the real time of when it was happening, People recognize that this will be historical, and there's sort of a marker that's placed in your brain. And the same is certainly true for 9-11. I remember exactly where I was. I was actually on call that day, uh, went into the clinic, and I was uh, uh, just getting to my desk and looking at my schedule for the day. And my wife called and said, uh, one of the towers was hit by an airplane. Then she called back later and said, um, they're thinking that this might be terrorism. And so I actually went to the call room and turned the TV on because she was obviously concerned. Um, at which point she calls back and says, the tower is collapsing. And now the second tower got hit. And so I remember this conversation with my wife. I remember where I was. I remember taking a, sort of a break uh, before my day started to watch TV and certainly was following it throughout the day like everyone else. See, it was such a monumental occasion that I can remember, even though it was so many years ago, um, I can remember where I was because it actually there was actually a, a mark in time. And the bigger the event, often the bigger the change that goes with it because we remember. We remember the event. Think about airports after 9-11. There was dramatic change and my friends, it's most likely that change is here to stay. The security measures in an airport are never going to be the same again because of 9-11. I believe that we are actually living in a time of historical um, uh, remembrance. 2020 COVID infection is going to be remembered probably throughout our lifetime. And we're right in the middle of it now. It's easy to remember now because we're living it. But it's very likely that we're going to be remembering this going forward. How much of it are we going to remember, though? Uh, the mask mandates, uh, terms like flattening the curve. Are we going to remember those specific things? Maybe some will, maybe some won't. But it's interesting how it dominates the conversation now because it's before our eyes. There are some things we'll remember, some things that we won't. Speaking of flattening the curve, there is a different type of curve uh, that's called the forgetting curve. <laughs> called the forgetting curve. 
And research on the forgetting curve shows that within one hour, people will have forgotten an average of 50%, 50% of the information that was presented to them. Within 24 hours, they will have forgotten an average of 70% of new information. And within a week, forgetting over 90% of it. The forgetting curve. <laughs> So when we talk about memory tests and the things that we remember, now sometimes there's a difference between memory and learning, and there are certain techniques and things that we can do to help us learn better. Those of us who have been through school uh, know that when you take a test, we got to stick some things in our memory. How many of those things do we still remember? It's interesting because in medical school, we learn a large amount of information and and it might concern some people that doctors don't remember all of that stuff. Obviously, we don't. But the things that we do every day, they become part of our recent memory. And then we remember them more because we keep it in the forefront. So I think it'd be fun to give you a memory test and see how you do here on this podcast. I'm going to give you a list of seven words. And then at the end, I'm going to have you see how many of them you remember. So here we go. Are you ready? List of seven. These are the words. Bird. Boat. Wallet. Suitcase. Fork. Ladder. Football. So those are your list of seven. Now I'm going to have you recall them. See how many that you can give. I'll get. I'll give you a couple seconds. So how many of the seven did you remember? Interestingly, most likely everyone remembered the word football. And it's because of something called the recency effect. The recency effect. Now the recency effect, I'll give you the definition, is the tendency to remember the most recently presented information best. For example, if you are trying to memorize a list of items, the recency effect means you are more likely to recall the items from the list that you studied last. This is one component of the serial position effect, a phenomenon in which the position of items on a list influences how well those items are recalled. So items found at the end of the list, like football, that are learned most recently are recalled the best. It's called the recency effect. While the first few items are also recalled better than those found in the middle. And that's called the primacy effect. So some of you might have gotten bird or boat because I said it first and I was telling you that I'm going to do a memory test. So you were very locked in, especially to that first word. So bird, maybe ladder, maybe football. The words again, in case it's bothering you because you haven't gotten all seven yet, <laughs> is bird, boat, wallet, suitcase, fork, ladder, and football. So we often remember the beginning and the end the best. And sometimes we forget all the stuff in between. Isn't that kind of life? But I believe it's important for us to examine our own lives and look at the things that brought great influence. And we need to continue to talk about them, to, to recount them, and to tell stories. I'm about to go, um, 
go fishing uh, with my dad and my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. And we've done this now for uh, over 26 years. Uh, And it's so fun because we tell stories. That's what we do. And so oftentimes we tell the same story (laughs) over and over again, especially stories about our fishing and our times together, but certainly about our lives as well. But I'm telling you that when we actually recap these stories over and over again, it becomes part of our recentness. It becomes back to the forefront of our brain and we remember them again. It's interesting. We always remember the story of the children of Israel. It's kind of famous in regards to the recency effect. And what I mean by that is the children of Israel in captivity in Egypt, and they are miraculously um, leave through the exodus out of out of Egypt. It's this miraculous moment, the parting of the Red Sea, and they're brought out into the wilderness. And we know from the uh, the way the story is told that there's been some problems, and the Lord takes them a little bit of a circuitous route to get to the promised land because of a lot of their own stubbornness and disobedience. But the heart of the father was to always provide. And so he began to give them food and water in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the barrenness. And they get manna from heaven. But it doesn't take long before they begin to complain about the manna and start to reminisce about times in Egypt. (laughs) Did the Lord lead us out of Egypt just for us to die on this desert sand? And so often the Lord would become frustrated because he would even say, don't you remember that I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians? Like his word was good and his hand was strong and it was mighty. And yet all they could see was what was in front of them and their current problems. And that sometimes is the problem with the recency effect is that we become consumed with what's before us today and we sometimes forget all of his benefits, all of the things that actually brought us to the position that we're in today, his goodness and his grace and his blessings. And so the children of Israel needed to have a revelation of the goodness of God and his power and his sustaining hand and not just grumble and complain about what was in front of them today. It's good to remember It's good to remember. They would often set down remembrance stones on the banks of the river after the river was parted so that they would remember. Not only they would remember, but their generations would remember. My wife and I teach a marriage course, and the first session that we talk about is that husbands and wives are actually brought together for a purpose. That there's actually things in the kingdom for husbands and wives to do together that cannot be done alone. It's called being co-missioned. And so we as husbands and wives are actually drawn together for a reason and for a purpose. And so often when we see each other and we fall in love, we know what that purpose is or, or, or a portion of it. And we move uh, into a marriage with excitement and with hope and with a future. And so often we uh, either forget that piece or we forget the part in the middle the living, the, the journey. And so people come to our marriage course with a recency effect and all they see is what's before them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
And sometimes all they see is their problems. And they actually forget the reason they were married in the first place. And so my wife and I encourage them to take a walk down memory lane, to to explore the reasons why they were married. And those can change and those can, can morph throughout a marriage as the Lord speaks to you and gives you different callings. But at the end of the day, you are brought together for a purpose. And it's good to remember. Not too long ago, I found some old uh, VHS tapes. I don't know how many people who are listening remember those. But one of those was our wedding. And one was our rehearsal. And it's Clausen family tradition at rehearsals to do skits at the rehearsal dinner, usually about the married couple. And we have a lot of really funny good times with that. But of course, we had that recorded as well. And we were much younger. But as I was watching that, I began to weep because I've, sometimes you forget the feeling, the emotion that was connected to that day and to that time. This was the, the love of my life. And, and I remember the, the feeling of, of hopefulness and, and the future that we had together and, and the, the fact that we were about to become married. And it, and it actually, the, the vision of it, the picture of it, the video of it actually created an emotion in me that actually brought it back to my now. And it actually created a physical emotion within me, which it should, because it's like in a recency effect. It's, it's what I was now able to focus on because it was back before me. And I began to remember. I began to remember. Just very recently, the Lord was speaking to me about the glory barn. My wife and I began a ministry in our home called the glory barn. It really wasn't even necessarily a ministry in the conventional sense. It was more of a venue. It was us opening up our home for an event every month called the glory barn. Our home is kind of shaped like a barn and and uh, we actually have meeting space in our home and, and uh, the Lord took us on a journey. And it was a journey of hunger. We just wanted more of him. And it was a journey of worship. And we wanted just to be intimate with him. And we knew that sometimes when you live out in the country like we do, it's hard to always get those opportunities in those venues. And and so we began to go to the Twin Cities and conferences, and we began to just have some things kindled in our heart. And and in combining and joining with dear friends locally, uh, we began just to minister to each other and just have time together in worship and fellowship. And there was a moment when we felt like this needed to be shared with our region. And so we opened up our doors and we started what was called the Glory Barn. And it went for about six to seven years and it was glorious. And we just had time where we would invite a speaker uh, and they would just share what's on their heart and we would sit at their feet and, and learn. And it was it was really the culture of what we created because we never want to be to a point where we feel like we know it all. We always want to be in the culture of sitting at people's feet and learning from them. But even more than that, it was a culture of worship. And we simply opened our home. We played music. We worshiped together. And we just invited anybody who wanted to come from the region non-denominationally and worship. There were times at the Glory Barn where we had six different pastors in our home 
all worshiping together. And my friends, I remember that. Why? Because it was like a 9-11 to me. It was like this moment that was so important. It was like why we were doing it. And when I saw it happening, when I saw these pastors ministering to each other, it so warmed my heart. It so brought uh, such refreshment to me to see uh, a dream fulfilled. And Glory Barn was this place where our region grew and actually caught fire. And there's been so many things that have actually branched off of what we began at the Glory Barn. And one of those being our current family ministry was actually birthed from that place. And the Lord was talking to me very recently as I was getting more immersed in ministry and looking at my schedule filling and and still working full time at the hospital and all of these things that were happening. And I was somewhat overwhelmed. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, don't forget, don't forget where you came from. It was the heart that the Lord gave me for worship. And he said, don't forget that everything that you do, everything that you do from here forward was birthed from that special place of worship, that special place of intimacy that he created for us at the Glory Barn. It was at that moment that I actually went on Vistaprint and I actually created a metal sign with our logo, the Glory Barn logo. I found it in some file someplace. And created a metal sign and actually hung it from my mailbox that our home is still referred to as the glory barn. Because he told me, don't forget. So every time I pull into my driveway, it becomes a recency effect. It becomes the thing that's before me because I see it and I remember. And I try to stay in that place of worship. It's remembering. It's remembering. It's putting those things before us. How do we remember better? Well, if you go on the internet and do a search, a Google search, you will find plenty of tools to help you remember. There are a lot of different things you can do, pictures, word associations, songs, different things to help you remember people's names and and all of these uh, uh, different processes that can help you. But very simply, I believe it's the things that you hold the most important are the things that you focus on. And those are the things that we will remember, remember to do, remember to say, remember to feel. And repetition, putting things before you to help you remember. Anniversaries are a great time to walk through memory lane. Photo albums are great things to pull off the shelf and flip through every once in a while. I haven't done that for so long. I need to do that soon because you begin to forget Within 24 hours, 70% of new information is forgotten. We need to keep it before us, the things that are important to us. So I submit to you this week, start making a list. Uh, One tool is to write things down. What are those moments in your life, those turning key moments, those, those points in time where you remember where you were, remember what you did, remember who you were with, remember the things that you said? What are those things that, that, that form you and shape you and, and have gotten you to the place that you are today? For some of you, it's going to be decades and decades and decades and decades of history. For others, it'll just be a few. But now is the time to remember and put them into your recent memory repeatedly and repetitiously. 
It's important that we remember because God is good and he's gracious and we should count our blessings, every one. So my friends, I love you and I I so appreciate you and your journey and your story. I appreciate your feedback and I would love to hear what you have to say about this podcast or others. Pushbackculture.org is a great place to leave comments, questions, or anything else that you wish that I would talk about here on this podcast. It is my pleasure and my privilege to come before you each and every week. Thank you so much. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture.